podcast devoted to the University of Pikeville women's basketball program. I'm your host, Willard Nip, and on this episode, I will be joined, as always, by Coach Clifton Williams. This week's episode is a very special one. Yes, Coach Williams and I will look back at a comfortable win over Shawnee State at home and a major victory on the road over the University of the Cumberlands. And yes, we'll look ahead to next week's pivotal matchups with home contest against Lindsey Wilson and Cumberland University, as well as a major challenge on the road to Thomas More. But there's some really neat extras in this week's episode. Coach Williams will shine a spotlight on our seniors and talk about their contributions to this program. Cliff and I will take a quick look at the conference standings and how much in flux they are and what the end of this season might look like. There are also two brief segments that were just too meaningful to be left out. You're going to want to hear Coach Williams on the challenge of staying focused. And in one of my favorite conversations of this entire season, we talk about how the Bears' chemistry is coming together at just the right moment. And, as always, we'll update the Buckets for Backpacks Challenge, all on this episode of At the Horn. Welcome back to At the Horn. I'm joined now by Clifton Williams, head basketball coach, University of Pikeville Bears. Three games scheduled for this week as we look back, but the first will never happen. So talk to us about Thomas Moore and update us on the situation related to that game. Well, three games a week is the norm anymore in the Mid-South. So we had rather weather-related cancellation uh, with Thomas Moore. They had a bunch of ice and snow, so they canceled the game. Uh, we knew we weren't going to play, so we, we switched gears and prepared for Shawnee on Saturday. Uh, that Thomas Moore game has been rescheduled for February 14th on a Monday. We will travel there uh, same day and, and play that game and then hit the road uh, for that Thursday against uh, Freed Hardman and then Saturday against Bethel to wrap up the regular season. Which takes us then, uh, after the rescheduling of the Thomas Moore game, to the Saturday game against Shawnee State in the Appalachian Wireless Arena. You get off to a good start. They led, I believe, two to nothing. That was their only lead in the game. And, but you put this one away relatively early and cruised to an 85-52 to 52 win, a key point in the contest. We've talked about ending the quarters well, and you certainly ended the first half well with a 12-0 to zero run over the final 414 of the second quarter and began the third quarter with an 11-4 to four run over 323. Put those two together, you've got a 23-4 to four run, 19-point margin, in seven minutes and 37 seconds. You buried that one pretty much then midway through the third quarter. That game was essentially over at that point, and it was just a matter of naming your margin. Talk to me about the game in, in terms of uh, the opportunity, one, to play everybody double-digit minutes, and everybody gets to score. That's always a great day in the life of a team. But talk to us about that game. It, you know, it's, uh, it's the second time this year we've been able to play play everyone in, in a conference game um, and get everybody on the floor, which is hard to do because this league is so competitive. Um, but this game in particular, I felt like we started out a little bit slow, but when we found our gear, we really found it. Uh, we did a good job sharing the basketball. We had 18 assists uh, over the course of the game. Uh, our game goal is 16, so we exceeded that one. 
we shot the ball really well, uh, 48%. We exceeded our field goal percentage goal offensively, shoot 50% from the three um, and 76% from the free throw line. Everyone contributes. Everyone gets in this, into the scorebook uh, on the scoring column. Um, well-rounded, you know, Morgan Stamper, 14 rebounds. Uh, she doesn't get a double-double, but we've got Bailey Frazier had a night. She spent the most minutes on the floor for us. Uh, and scores 20, really efficient, uh, 7 of 11 from the floor, 4 of 7 from the 3. Sierra goes for 16. You know, you, you say something, Sierra's really been tough for us offensively and got us going in the first quarter, you know, in the, in the last several games. Um, and we'll see that trend when we talk about Cumberland's as well. But, uh, you know, she, she got us going in the first quarter of this one too. Um, Mary with nine, six, four assists, 25 minutes. Like you look at the efficiency across the board, you know, in the stat sheet, we were really tough. Leanna McNulty, another freshman comes in, has 14, seven rebounds, six for six from the free throw line. Um, we've got contributions across the board. You mentioned, uh, the efficiency, you know, and Morgan, an example, not going eight points and 14 rebounds. Did that in 24 minutes. Right. Well, I mean, you look at AJ, too. AJ comes in, plays 19 minutes, goes three for four, three for four from the three, right? Those shots are separators, right? When you're going three for two, you're separating from another team. So uh, for us to be able to, you know, you look at the three-point line just in this game, right? Bailey Frazier, four for seven. Sierra, two for four. AJ, three for four. Uh, Mary goes one for two. I mean, we're going to be hard to beat when we're making 11 threes. Oh, yeah. Now, is, there, is there a goal per, for a game for threes? No, it's our percentage, right? We want right. our, our three-point field goal percentage to be above 38. We want our field goal percentage to be 48 or above. So when you look at the numbers, that you know. Bingo. We shot <laughs> we shot the ball really well, scored 85 points. Yeah. Won all four quarters. And but again. Got to, got to give our defense some credit here, right? Like we, we go in. And, and as we dialed it up offensively in the second and third quarters, our defense also gets dialed up. We hold them to seven points in the second quarter, 17 in the third, 14 to finish the game. And, and we talk about it at halftime. We play to our standard. We don't let up. We continue to keep our foot on the gas once we get it going. And, and so they really responded to, to the discussion we had at halftime and finish this game the right way. Brings us then uh, with a comfortable win, able to play everybody. That means you got some folks that are able to, to get some bench time and cheer on their teammates, your starters. And that that's helpful then because it leads you into a game 48 hours later against a, a key conference opponent on the road, University of the Cumberlands uh, down in Williamsburg, Kentucky. Uh, the conference is, is is basically segmented into three points or three parts now. You've got Thomas Moore and and Campbellsville at the top of the conference. You have Life and Shawnee at the bottom of the conference, and then you've got a group of of eight teams right there, kind of contesting uh, for every single spot. Every every spot's up for for competition at this point. You beat Cumberland's here, a game that you had to make a significant comeback. You mentioned last week you knew that they had this game circled on their schedule. Uh, so what was your mindset going into this game? Well, our mindset was <laughs> maintaining our standard of play, 
right? We knew what we we're going to have to do defensively and and keeping them off the three point line. We knew how well they shot it over the past several games. They're shooting over forty three percent clip from the three point line as a team. Uh, they had just beat the number one team in the country on Saturday at home um, by eight, and they were up by fifteen in the fourth quarter in that game. Uh, we <laughs> it's going to be a challenge, right? Right. It's it's not an easy place to go and play. Um, teams notoriously don't shoot the ball well in there. Uh, so we understood, you know, what our challenge was. Uh, we just wanted to prepare the right way. We had limited preparation time. We come in on Sunday. You know, we get some shots up. We talk about the game plan um, and, and how we want to approach it. And then it's just about going and going to work, right? It's a day trip, uh, and, and, and we got to go down there and get after it. And you mentioned that this is, we talked about the travel partner last week. So this was a day trip down there and back. Yeah. Uh, does not get off to the start you would have liked, I would imagine. Trailing seven to nothing after a three pointer from Destiny Hallworth uh, with 7.53 to play in the first quarter. But you bite, you fight back. And as we talked about ending the quarter well, you reduce the deficit to one, 19 to 18. Talk about how you ended the first quarter. Well, we can talk about the start of it. I, I think it's it's important to talk about that part because if we don't handle adversity well as a team, then we don't end this quarter the right way, right? Of course, they came out. You know, we knew who Hallworth was. She she got an uncontested look. She hit she had a couple, and she she knocked them down. So, you know, we we knew where we needed to shore up defensively, but we also knew we needed to be aggressive offensively. And I felt like we came out a little bit tentative in, in, in what we we're trying to do offensively. So it was in the first media timeout where I didn't have to burn a timeout early and we're able to hang around. We are able to get to the media and have the discussions we need to have about adjustments we wanted to make offensively. And uh, once we did, we got it going. <laughs> I'll say you got to go ahead. So that takes us to the second quarter. One of the more dominating performances by an individual in a quarter that I've seen certainly all year, uh, Sierra Feltner with 18 points in the second quarter, six of eight from the field, three of three from the three-point line, not not really known as a three-point shooter. She She's probably about third or fourth on the team in terms of percentage, but boy, she buried those three of three from the free throw line with an assist. Uh, before we talk about her, there was a stretch that you went on uh, a 15 to three run over a period of five minutes and 16 seconds. And in that 15 to three run, Sierra scores 13 and assists to Morgan Stamper on a layup for the other two. So she's directly involved in all 15 points. Talk about her second quarter and then talk about the team's performance in the second quarter as a whole. It's... Williamsburg is home for Sierra. So she's essentially going home. Her entire family's there. They've got the big head cut out in the stands. Like it's, there's a spotlight on her. The announcers from, from Cumberland's knows who she is. They know this is a home game for her. So internally, she puts a lot of pressure on herself to go there and perform well. And over the course of her career, you know, it, the performances have been up and down. Uh, but on Monday, it was special. And 
she missed, I think if you look back in the first quarter, she missed her first two shots. That first shot that she she put up, I remember it, she came on, it was a mid-range jumper. It went, boop, boop, hit both sides of the rim and popped out. Uh, she just missed it, right? It was right on target. And then after that, I felt like she got a little bit hesitant um, in some of the pick and roll actions. So when I talk about that first media timeout, I pulled her aside as the rest of the teams were going into the huddle and just reminded her, we need you to be aggressive. Your matchup is the one we need to take advantage of. Go get it. Keep shooting the basketball. I, I saw that on the on the video from the, the feed from Cumberland. That's all it was. Yeah, and but that's not normally something you do. Normally you you step out with Coach Wheeler and the two of you have a conversation and, and then you will go and address the team. But you, you spoke to her first, didn't you? If, some, if kids need to be reminded about something, I will do that. It's not always the, the case that, that they do. Um, it's something that we can discuss in the huddle. But with her, it was an individual thing, right? It was something that she needed to take a look at um, and then that she needed to do in order for us to take advantage of their defense. Mentioned that, that you put the run together on in the second quarter. Uh, Cumberland's had a five-point lead, 27-22 with 7.54 when the run started and when the run ended. Uh, your lead was 37-30. Uh, that was the case uh, until 2.20 to go in the half. Again, that's a, that's a big run, that transition from a five-point deficit to a seven-point lead. What's the feeling like when you end that half at, at, as well as you did? We're riding high at that point, right? We're feeling we're feeling really, really good. Uh, we've got them on their heels. They don't know how to handle us defensively, right? We're, we're running. We ran two actions, essentially, in the second quarter. We ran, and they both involved keeping the ball in the middle of the floor, and playing and setting high pick and roll. We ran a horn set with a double high ball screen and then a single high ball screen action. And it was about putting the ball in Sierra's hands and letting her make the decisions out of the pick and roll. Her decision-making in the pick and roll over the last four games has been outstanding. And that's the difference. Whether she's making the defense pay when they choose to guard it differently. If they go under the screen, she shoots it. The threes are going in. If they fight over the top, she either gets to the rim or she's shooting the mid-range. And if she draws two, then she's able to find Morgan, who were ever setting the screen on the roll. Like it's she's making it look easy. And and so when you apply that kind of pressure, you're forcing the other team to go in at halftime and spend way too much time trying to have to figure out that action and then we make adjustments too offensively. So we felt like we had them on their heels and our whole goal was to ramp it up defensively, get them off the three-point line, and then offensively to stay super aggressive and continue to attack. You certainly rat ratcheted up the defense. They went a two of 17 from the field in the third quarter, 11.8%, one out of three from the three-point line. They did manage to go six of eight from the free throw line, uh, but they score 11 points in the entire quarter. That's got to be a huge win in that sense defensively, as you talked about. It, that was the separation in, in the game, right? When coming out of the first half, you know, obviously I felt like we had the momentum, even though, the, you know, they, they cut the lead down 42 to 39. Yes, 42-39. The lead had gone from six to three. Right. But, but again, that's, that's no, definitely we, better than being down five. We <laughs> scored 42 at half and felt like – you know, we hadn't got the rest of our players really going yet. 
right. right? Sierra just took control of the second quarter, but now knowing that she's going to draw the attention, it's going to open up the floor for the rest. So it, then it became, okay, who's stepping up? You know, it's just a wait and see, right? And then so what, what happens is everyone steps up. Big contribution off the bench in this game from Leanna McNulty. Uh, and you mentioned the third quarter, two two players step up the scoring. They they focus their attention on Sierra, as, as we've discussed. Uh, Morgan goes for five points and six rebounds in that third quarter. But Leanna comes off the bench to give you six points and two rebounds, her first points of the game. Uh, you expand that lead uh, from six to nine. And you get that separation that you talk about. You end the quarter well, and you get that separation that you talk about. Talk about the the contributions of other players in that third quarter, knowing that, as you just mentioned, Sierra's going to be the key. How Who's ready to step up? Well, Sierra only has three points in the second half, right? And so the lead was kind of hanging around a, a little bit at four. It was at 54 to 50, right? So we called Sierra's number one more time in the third quarter. Out of, out of the same action we ran in the second quarter. And lo and behold, they go underneath the screen. She pulls up and hits the fourth three, her fourth one, right? And when that happened, there was a level of energy. Like, I don't know, I'm an energy guy. I, I can sense it, I feel it. And there was a level of energy from our players that went up and you could almost feel a little bit of air go out of their sails. Like, I can't believe she hit another one, right? <laughs> and so from that point on, they started to deny her and then try to double team her, but they started face guarding her and taking her away. So then you start to see Morgan Stamper gets loose on the board. She had three rebounds at, at halftime. She ends up with 13 and contributes another double double for us goes five or five from the free throw line. Right. Um, Bailey Frazier, another really, really efficient game. She goes 60% from the three point line, five, 11, 13 points. Leanna, you mentioned, gets 16. AJ comes off in 22 minutes, goes four or six on the floor, 50% from the three, you know, but all of those are significant contributions. But I spoke with Cumberland's coaches after the game. I should say they spoke with me as they came out of the locker room. And the one player that they mentioned did not have double digits in points, and it was Mary Engler and her level of communication on the floor that, you know, how she led our team on the court during the game. And this was the missing piece that they don't have on their team. And so, you know, you combine the contributions from every player plus the leadership we had on the floor, and we go and get another road win, 82-73. Welcome back to At The Horn. We transition from looking back at the games recently played to the upcoming games that are going to be pivotal to the remainder of the Bears season. Coach, we've got two home games, regular season home games remaining. So you've got Lindsey Wilson on Thursday and Cumberland, Tennessee on Saturday. Let's start with the Lindsey game. Played them in a makeup from uh, their COVID protocols in, in a barn burner. And I believe what that result was 88-84 at Columbia. Yep. And then, so you get a, another crack at them this time. So how do you prepare coming off of an offensive firepower game that that was? How do you prepare for this matchup? We focus on our defense. That's how we prepare. 
That's all we talked about yesterday when our, in our small group skill development. That's what we worked on. You know, we shot the ball a little bit, but the emphasis was on the defensive side of the ball. The conversation with our kids is reminding them over this four-game win streak, what's really changed for us significantly. You know, obviously we shot the ball better, but I have to point back to the defensive effort and the defensive adjustments that we've made uh, as being the key difference in, in us being on, on a four-game win streak right now. And don't lose sight of that. Just because we're shooting the ball well, don't lose sight of what's going to keep you in every single game should the ball not go in at the rate it has been going in. Defense travels, right? Defense travels every night. It's going to give you a chance every night. You may shoot 50% one night and 30% another, but defense and effort. You know, like, but here, I love I love being at home and I love being in the gym because when you look back at these the games from this past week, we go, we play Shawnee, we shoot 48% from the floor in the arena and really practice in there all year long, right? Shoot 50% from the three. I'll take those numbers going to Cumberland's. I'll take them every day. <laughs> we go even better. We shoot 52.6 from the floor at Cumberland, 60% from the three, 81% from the free throw line, and, and that's on the road. So coming home, we just want to stay hot. We want to ride the wave offensively, keep executing and running our stuff the way we have, knowing that it's going to be a physical game with Lindsey. It's about playing off two feet, playing balanced, playing through contact, and making them pay. Get to the free throw line. That's Thursday. And then Saturday. Blackout game. Yes. It's a blackout game. Come early. There's going to be food. There's going to be fun. Um, wear black. Wear black. Very good. We will be. We'll be in black uniforms at night. Oh, special uniforms. It's a blackout game. We had to get permission, but that's what we're doing. Both men and women. Excellent. Look forward to that. Yeah. Uh, then uh, Saturday is senior day. Hard to believe we're now at that point in the season. We'll talk a little bit about our seniors in a moment, but first let's talk about the matchup itself. This is Cumberland University, uh, Cumberland University the Phoenix of Lebanon, Tennessee. Played them earlier this year on their place. It seems like it's been forever ago already. But tell us about what do you anticipate for that game and, and uh, how do you prepare for that game? You know, it's uh, that game for the it's a guard dominant game. They're really athletic at the guard spot. Excuse me. They're going to come in here looking to steal one from us. You know, they're trying to fight for, you know, that eighth spot as well. Um, you know, this is, this is all about conference standings right now and trying to host the first round of, of the conference tournament. Um, not everybody's going to be able to do that. So uh, it's important for us to hold serve at home and get these next two before we head out on the road next week. Uh, they're going to present challenges on the re on the glass for us too. rebounding. They're super aggressive rebounding team. Um, we're really going to have to be disciplined and on our game uh, coming off that game Thursday. Welcome back to At The Horn. One of the complications created by the COVID pandemic has been for athletic institutions to figure out how to juggle athletic eligibility. The NAIA granted an extra year of eligibility for athletes who met certain criteria whose years of eligibility were compromised by the COVID pandemic. The University of Pikeville has three players who are listed on their rosters as seniors but have been granted an extra year of eligibility. Haley Free, Mary Englert, and Sierra Feltner will take advantage of that opportunity. 
but some other of our seniors will be making their way to their final home game against Cumberland University on Saturday. Coach Williams takes a moment to talk about them and their contributions to this program. Um, A.J. Reed, Georgia Sideri, uh, Fatma Awaneg, and uh, Julian, Jillian Duncan will all graduate and participate in, in Senior Day. Talk a little bit about those young ladies. Uh, A.J. has played over well over 100 games in her career, uh, has, has improved significantly uh, as an offensive player for us. Uh, over the course of her career, the last two years, she's shot above 40% from the three-point line, uh, has really been hot for us from the three-point line the last several games. You know, uh, coming out of Mason County, uh, she she got significant minutes as a freshman. Um, you know, her role was was up and down, and and but but she was a contributor for us out of the gate. Uh, it's hard to come into to college uh, and, and play over a hundred games over the course of your career, uh, but but she's managed to do that for us. Um, AJ. AJ is a legacy here at, at UPike. Her dad, Adam, played on the men's side here. Um, she's uh, She's been a unique player for us. She, she presents challenges for us. She's a smart player, uh, and, and she's made us better. Uh, Georgia Sideri is from Athens, Greece. Uh, she's transferred in as a junior, uh, played through an ankle injury, her junior year, which really limited her time. Uh, she's been a starter for us uh, a lot this year, um, has been a great teammate uh, and, and contributed to us on the court as well as off the court. I see her with a really good basketball IQ. And she, I, I think a, part of that's the European influence. It is. Is She understands uh, the game. She has a high IQ. She's, she's a great passer for us, and she can really stretch the floor from the three-point line. She's shooting well over 40% from the three as well this year. Um, you know, she she's also, early in the year, she was the one player who would get us going, right? We'd get her that corner three or a wing three, and she was knocking it down. Um, so, you know, and defensively too. I, she's, she understands the game. She understands what we're trying to get done um, and, and has been, again, a great addition to our program. Um, Fatma has, has struggled with some injury. Uh, and really struggled this year, wound up having season ending uh, surgery this year. But, it, you know, it's bigger than basketball. And and what she has brought to the table for us in terms of being a great teammate, you know, she believes in having tough conversations. She has she has been, you know, a leader from the bench for us and, and, and cheering on her teammates and, and fighting through our own personal struggles with not being able to play. And, and being able to push through that, work through that, I should say, and, and set that aside and still be there for her team. Um, she's shown a level of maturity and, and for us that, that a lot of our, that kids can learn from, right? She, she sets a standard for what, for what it means to be a great teammate when, when things aren't going your way. Um, Jillian Duncan, Jillian came in as a freshman and, and she was a player for us and transitioned to a role uh, as, as, a, as a team manager for us, uh, as a practice every day. I had her create uh, spreadsheets for us so we could track offensive efficiency 
and and she she really took the lead with that this year uh, and so she tracks these things in games so i know what actions are working what actions aren't uh it's information we can't pull off of a stat sheet uh she did it in practice for us early on so as we were in in practice this year going through preseason skill development and and dealing with the beginning of practice i would know how many turnovers players had in practice you know where we take care of the basketball where we missing layups uncontested like information that helps our players focus on areas that they need to focus on to get better mm -hmm. and and without her doing that consistently for us we we don't understand the truth about what's going on day to day right we tend to think we're doing something a certain way when we're actually not so um, her willingness to transition into that role for us and 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 be proactive in, in it um and also just being a great teammate as well she's one of the biggest cheerleaders on that bench uh she has in she she has impact at halftime and during timeouts like her basketball iq is really high as well um i believe she's gonna coach someday and and i hope she does because she understands the game and on both sides of the ball and she makes great comments for us at halftime and in timeouts to help them um, make improvements on the floor this class as a whole this is this is your class in the sense right you you recruited these players and and so you've gotten to see them make this journey all the way through what's that like for a coach you know it's uh it speaks to part of the vision right like we wanted to come in here or i i wanted to come in here and stick and stay the goal wasn't to come in here and and put together a winning team so i can you know leapfrog to you know a quote unquote bigger job it's to come in here and, and build a foundation for lasting success and so what these young ladies have done and what you see them doing right now is just that they're entrenching they're pouring cement into that foundation um and they're also growing based on what's been done by those before them they're they're leaning on on the work that's been done by the Kella Eldridge and the Devin Connellys and the the Emily Bakers of the world you know and I know I'm leaving kids out but but to understand that you know the success that these young ladies are having started before them and they are laying the groundwork and setting the foundation for those to come after and uh they're leaving a legacy so it's 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 been fun to be a part of uh it's been great to get to know these kids and build relationships and uh i'm excited to see how they're going to contribute to the world when they leave that's always the fun part it's what it's all about i mean the basketball it all comes to an end for all of us at, at some point and so it's you know what lessons do we take from this what do we learn and and how do we how do we take it and pay it forward want to talk about conference standings. We've got uh, two weeks of the conference schedule remaining. Thursday games, Saturday games. I think everybody in the league has a makeup game either Monday or Tuesday. I know Life and I think it's Campbellsville have a makeup game on Tuesday, but everybody in the league seems like it's got another game next Monday or Tuesday. 
uh, and then one more regular Thursday, Saturday rotation. So here we are, a jam-packed league. Thomas Moore, Campbellsville have separated themselves from the rest of the league, 15-1 and for Thomas Moore, 13-3 and for Campbellsville. You had called it. You had said Thomas Moore, you didn't think would be able to run the table because of the nature of the league, and, and you got that one right. Cumberland's uh, defeated Thomas Moore, as we mentioned earlier. Uh, and in the bottom two positions in the league, quite frankly, uh, Life and Shawnee State, uh, those seem to be pretty much locked into place with Life in the 12th position, Shawnee State in the 11th position. Three through 11, though, I mean, theoretically, with the number of games remaining, that could make significant movement. So what's your take when you know that much is in flux in the conference? How, how does one approach that? I, I don't know any other way to approach it other than to play present and focus on what's right in front of us. And it's Lindsey Wilson, right? And, and what's beyond that is insignificant compared to what's right in front of us. And so to keep our kids' attention right there and focus on this game and this day, uh, and, and they bought into that. And, and, you know, you can see in the results for us, you know, over the last four games, you know, since the Campbellsville game, they, they were locked in. It was all about that day. We come home. We got a quick turnaround. It was all about Freed. So that's it. It's can you play present and bring your best that day to the table? I think that's a life lesson, is it not? It is. It, it's it's it is the life lesson. Right? Can't do that's anything what, about the last game. No. Can't do anything about the next game. Right. That just creates anxiety. Yeah. Right. And so you've got the one game in front of you, and we're going to put everything into that, and then we'll see where we're at, and we'll play that one, win the day, right? Win the day, right? We'll yeah, but there's somebody in front of us in that day, right? Exactly. So right. the key is to go one and zero today. That's it. It's it's you know it's a one game season, and and you know the next thing before you know it will be you know, at the big first round of the conference tournament. Welcome back to At the Horn. As I mentioned in the introduction. There are two very brief segments that I wanted to share with you before leaving today. They were not in the original plan to record. They were part of the side conversation Coach Williams and I were having about the conference schedule and the challenge of being able to carry it through in these dramatic and challenging last couple of weeks. And also how this team has started to come together and gel at just the right time. And it's been a joy to watch. So Coach Williams shares very briefly about these two elements, the challenge of being focused and the power of team chemistry. I hope you'll enjoy them. So we talk about the next opponent, but that's how it is for coaches too. And, you know, we lose sight of the day because Saturday, Sunday, weekends are irrelevant. You know, people, you know, you work Monday through Friday and, and you, you go to the weekend. Like everybody looks forward to Saturday. It's just the next day. Right. Right. And especially when you're in season in February, um, but that's the beauty of basketball. It's like this time of year, it's, it's, uh, it's winning time. Let's go. It's a focus. It's, it's, it's a focus. Um, and, and we talk about it, you know, you brought it up again today. You brought it up. It's rubbing off on you. You brought it up. I talk about finishing quarters. Right? We talk about finishing. We finish drills. We finish everything. And, and it's the key finishing. Don't just start it. 
finish it. You can't say enough about the hard work and the perseverance and the being willing to stay connected through adversity this time of year. It goes a long way. And, and so that's a challenge for our kids and it's a challenge for every team. But those that stay connected will rise above the adversity. One of the things for me that is, is enjoyable to watch is the dynamic of a team that comes together. And this team has been fun to watch because there's a sense that this team is is coming together, peaking at the right time. Winning goes a long way to, to help that. But you're right. It's it's we had a conversation. Um, it was yesterday morning. I think I asked. Uh, uh, it was AJ and Mary. We had a, we had some freshmen in doing small group work. And I was like, so what do you think the difference is right now? Right. For this group. And, and AJ said it, right? She's like, we're more connected than we were. And, and she's, she's right. They are, you know, how they talk to each other, how they respond to one another. Um, it's an emotional game. And sometimes things are said in such a way that it may not come across as being nice, but it needs to be said. And, and our response to things that are said and how we say them, both is, has changed, right? Maybe things don't get said as harshly, you know, in an emotional moment as they used to. And, and then, you know, our response to things that may be said harshly isn't taken personally, right? And, you know, it's kind of an abstract idea, but if you understand that this is an emotional game and things happen quickly and things need to be said, um, and things need to be heard. It, that's an important piece to staying connected. Chemistry. Yes. And, and not taking anything personally and understanding that it's all in an effort to be the best that we can be right now in this moment. against Shawnee State and 30 against Cumberland's, our season total is now 714 buckets. For those of you who are new to the podcast, Coach Williams is donating $1 for every bucket the team makes, either a two-point field goal or a three-point field goal, to the Backpack Ministry of Pikeville United Methodist Church. The Backpack Ministry of Pikeville United Methodist Church assisted addressing the issue of food insecurity for children in our community by helping to provide easy to prepare food that they can take home with them from school as they leave the school for the weekends where often they face some of their greatest fears and food insecurities. If you would wish to write a check to Pikeville United Methodist Church for the backpack ministry, put buckets for backpacks in the memo, send it to Pikeville United Methodist Church, PO Box 311, Pikeville, Kentucky, 41502. If you have any additional questions, you can call Pikeville United Methodist Church, area code 606-437-7315. Hey, again, thanks for joining us on this episode. And as always, friends, go Bears! Go Bears!